What are you looking for? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Can you answer it for yourself? What are you looking for? What am I looking for? I wonder what would happen if we were to sit with that question for, let's say, an hour or even a few minutes and begin to unpack it for ourselves. I'm sure we would come up with some very interesting things, perhaps some deeply felt hopes or aspirations that we don't often allow ourselves to feel. Most of the time, we're too busy doing what we do to stop and ask the question, why we're doing them, or what it is that we're really looking for in life. What are we looking for? What is the point of it all? Are we living life consciously, purposefully, or are we simply drifting along on the current of others' expectations and all the things we think we're supposed to be doing, never quite getting the point? What are you looking for? This is the question that Jesus asked John's disciples. What are you looking for? And their response was a rather odd one. Rabbi, where are you staying? Perhaps they were intrigued, curious enough after John's convincing testimony about Jesus that they wanted to know more. Perhaps they were hinting at an invitation. Can we come and see you? And Jesus' response to them was, come and see. Come and see. This is the calling of the disciples. Now the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the story of Jesus walking along the seashore and inviting some fishermen to come and follow him. John's Gospel tells the story a little differently. Here we have John the Baptist announcing that Jesus is the Messiah. And when his disciples hear what he is saying, they pay attention. And hearing these words in a very deep way, they know they must find out more. So at Jesus' invitation, they come and see. They went and they saw. And they stayed with him that day and they declared, we have found the anointed one, the Messiah. Now stories of God's call to people are common in the Bible. Abraham's call to go and find the land that God would give him. Moses's call at the burning bush to go and set God's people free from the hand of Pharaoh. David's call as a young shepherd boy to become the king. And then the prophets, like Isaiah, who in the reading we heard a few minutes ago, says, the Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. And then there's Saul on the road to Damascus, renamed Paul, struck down from his horse and blinded by a light, who then heard a voice calling to him. It is this Paul who we hear in the opening words of the first epistle to the church in Corinth today in our epistle saying, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now we too often take these extraordinary stories to be the very definition of a call. Something earth shattering, dramatic, a moment in time you can look back on and say, wow, what an awesome experience that was. I've never looked back, and I've never doubted that God called me at that very moment. But the reality is that most of us find our calling in a very different way. 
much more like what these disciples in our story today experienced. Their first encounter with Jesus invited them to answer the question, what are you looking for? And our answer to that question is the place where we begin to find God's call to us. And then Jesus invited those disciples to come and see. And that's the next step, is it not? Follow the invitation to come and see. This weekend, of course, is the Martin Luther King weekend and an opportunity to ponder the call of another prophet, a modern-day prophet whose vision has helped to change the way we see the world. The question, what are you looking for, was a simple one for Martin. He was looking for simple dignity, freedom, equality, justice for all people, white, black, red, or yellow. The freedom inscribed in our Constitution affirming that all people were created equal and had certain inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He was just looking for what was promised in the founding principles of this country for himself, his children, and all the people of this land. He wanted women like Rosa Parks not to have to give up her seat on the bus for a white person just because of the color of her skin. He wanted his children to be able to enjoy the same things that little white children enjoyed without being reminded at every step along the way that certain things were not possible for them because of the color of their skin. He knew what he was looking for, and he was clear about it. And what about the invitation to come and see? Over and over during the course of the Civil Rights Movement, Martin responded to the call to come and to see. He went to Selma, Alabama, and saw how people were being denied their right to vote. And he invited others to come and join him in a march to come and see how people were treated when they dared to question the Jim Crow laws of the South. He went to Memphis in support of sanitation workers come and see. The Montgomery bus boycott, the Freedom Rides, the Birmingham campaign, the March on Washington, the Selma March, the Chicago campaign, and the Memphis boycott. They were all times when he responded to the come and see. And in doing so, he helped a nation see things differently. As much of a visionary as he was, I'm not sure he even dared to dream that within the lifetime of his own children, an African-American would be sworn in as President of the United States and occupy the most powerful office in the world. It could not have happened without Martin's response to the call to come and see. A popular saying during that 2008 presidential campaign noted that Rosa sat so that Martin could walk and Martin walked so that Barack could run and Barack is running so that our children can fly. The invitation to come and see can be a transformational moment. It was an invitation to come to Africa and see that led to my very first venture to that continent uh, that I have come to love and to which I have returned numerous times. I remember reading in a bulletin in the Episcopal News Service a few years ago 
in the aftermath of the founding of the new nation of South Sudan that contained an interview with uh, a bishop from South Sudan, Bishop Alapayo Manyang, Bishop of Rumbek, one of 31 or now actually more dioceses serving over 4 million Episcopalians in the Sudans. That's twice as many, by the way, as there are Episcopalians in the United States. I took special note of this article because I had met Bishop Alapayo in southern Sudan in 2008, and I have a picture of us together that I treasure. And I thought about the reason that I was there in that place in 2008 and just happened to meet this dear man and bishop, and it was because I had responded to an invitation to come and see. Come and see Africa. Come and be with the people here. Come and feel what we feel. Come and experience our joys and our hopes and our dreams. I've heard those words of Jesus to come and see from Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza, from Haitians living in extreme poverty, and now from our brothers and sisters in the Philippines who are working to limit climate change in their country through reforestation. I remember almost eight years ago hearing a call from 3,000 miles away to come and see Trinity Parish in Seattle, to which I responded and which has had a profound impact on my life. We can't always know where such a call will lead us, but I do know that when we step out and we take a risk and we respond to God's invitation, things happen. We, like those very first disciples of Jesus, will be changed. I have no question that our lives will be changed, sometimes even transformed. I have the feeling that if we were to ask the same awkward question that those first disciples asked, where are you staying, Jesus might answer in South Sudan, in Haiti, in the Philippines, on 8th Avenue in Seattle, come and see. It doesn't always necessarily take us from where we are to a new place, although it might. It doesn't always have to involve a dramatic new direction for our lives, but it might. It doesn't always challenge us to give up our sense of self, as Saul did, to become someone else, Paul, but it could. At the very least, responding to God's call invites us to see who we are and to experience our reality in a different way. It challenges us to do what we do and be who we will be for a purpose beyond ourselves and one we could not know unless and until we act in faith. So, what are you looking for? Jesus asks us here today, all of us. God's call lies within each and every one of us, and then when we hear it, we must act on it. So come and see. Amen.